Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. I've been going through the Gospels uh, in my time of devotion and just being with God, and I'm currently in Matthew and uh, heading back through them again and just going over and over the Gospels and trying to really read them, if you will, word for word and just let God speak to me. And it's crazy how many times I've been to the Gospels and new things jump out to me. But I was reminded this morning in Matthew 18 why I pastor and why I planted this church. And, I, and, and I'm reminded again as we're 10 weeks away from Christmas, which is hard to believe. It's just a quick trip, isn't it? And it just gets, it, it, I mean, we all know that every tick's the same, but it seems that it's getting a little quicker on the tickers. You know what I mean? And uh, it doesn't, doesn't matter what you do, it just doesn't slow down. It just keeps increasing. But I love Christmas, many of you know that. But I'm reminded again of why I love what I do, and it really has to do with Christmas morning. And what hurts my heart about the church, now I'm not making an indictment about our church, but I'm asking you to think about your own heart. When's the last time, like a child, you couldn't wait to get up? And experience the day that God has prepared for you. In Matthew 18, Jesus says this. And we, and we flipped it. I mean, let's just be real. We flipped it. As an older generation, we tend to look down on the younger generation. If we're really honest and look at our hearts, we tend to look at them through the lens of our own, what we think maturity is. And yet Matthew 18, Jesus has come to heaven as a child. Actually, he's asked the question, who is the greatest in heaven? He doesn't answer the question. He literally says, unless you come as a child, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. He doesn't even answer who's the greatest. He literally says, if you want to get into heaven, like when you die, you want to, you want to spend eternity with me, you better have a childlike heart. Or you're not coming in. That's in the scriptures. And I read that again this morning and I'm reminded about why I do what I do and why I love Christmas. Because I I never want to lose that. Even at 56 years of age, I, I don't want a world that says, Keith, you need to grow up. When my heavenly father says, I hope you never do. I want you to think about that, the dichotomy in our world today. Because we say it all the time. If these younger generation would just, and God's going, whoa, 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 whoa. No, 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 no. You you need to stop growing up. And our world defines what maturity is, and yet God says, let me tell you what maturity is. And I was thinking about that Thursday. This might gross you out a little bit, but I was thinking about that Thursday. I came and stopped by the church while they were working. The worship team was working on the weekend. And one of our mothers was here, and her little daughter was picking her nose and chased me around the auditorium trying to wipe it on my, on my clothes. 
that was really happening in this, in this auditorium. While you're sitting Thursday night, I was running all over this auditorium and a little girl's going, ah. <laughs> and I wonder if heaven, God was going, that's worship right there. I wonder what God loves more. A little child chasing me around trying to wipe her boogers on me or people who come in and out of his auditorium and just sit there and don't even acknowledge him in, in praise because we've seduced ourselves in what maturity and professionalism and what that looks like and yet what God loves. So I say that because cool things are going on and I, I really think these are the gifts that God puts in our tree, if you will, every Christmas morning, which is every morning, every day. Uh, two weeks ago, you probably didn't know this, I never drew any attention to it, but exactly two weeks ago, October 3rd, we launched this church on 1999, October 3rd. So two weeks ago, we celebrated, if you will, 22 years of this church's existence on the exact day. I thought that was really cool. Last week, now watch this, last week, we, we have a church in Mexico. You can see some of the pictures. Last week, they celebrated their ninth anniversary, Elliot Garza and Brenda down there. And uh, we just thought that was so cool, what God's doing down there. And now this week, right now on this date, we're having our first grandchild. Uh, many of you know, uh, Pastor Monty and Jody went down to Omaha. Casey and Amanda Comstock went down there with them. Uh, and the reason they went with them was to plant. And this morning, we have a bunch of our Celebrate people who actually drove down this morning to be there with them. Casey doesn't know it. He has no idea that they're going to show up. But we're launching a brand new church on the north side of Omaha, uh, out of Meadows Church, which Monty and Jody. So this is our first grandchild. And I love the multiplication effects of how cool, you know. And... Uh, uh, so I, I, just, I just think it's awesome, especially October, which is, is really kind of about church ministry and celebrating that. How cool is that? Talk about just generations of what God's doing. That ought to warm your heart. See, that's the stuff that thrills my heart. Because being an American citizen won't get you into heaven. Going to church doesn't get you to heaven. It's when people surrender their lives and surrender it to Jesus Christ. Not that he becomes savior, because I don't believe in that anymore. I, I think we've separated the two. He becomes savior and then he wants to be Lord. I disagree with that. If he's not Lord of your life, you haven't been saved. Because if you get saved, he's Lord. See, the goal of salvation is you have to die so he can resurrect you. In other words, you, if you haven't died, you're not saved. Because he says, I'll have no other gods before me. And you can't have two. It's either me my way, Yahweh, or it's your way. Pick one. Can't have them both. You die to yourself so he can resurrect you anew. And, and that becomes lordship. He becomes lord of your life. And so I just love the fact that these churches, these are lay people. I mean, we're talking Monty, who is lost as lost, comes to celebrate. He's going to lose his marriage. And, and God uh, grabs a hold of his soul and, and then look what God did. He joined our children's ministry, went over and became our campus pastor across town. And now he's in Omaha and God's just blessing them. It's just awesome. And then, uh, and then out of that church, here comes Casey Comstock, who comes to this church and finds the Lord in this church, he and Amanda. And now they go down there and now they're planting a church. I just love the ripple effects of what God does. 
When you, and, and that ought to make you smile. I love stuff like that. And then I, I, I want you to look at the screen, if you will. Um, this is a, a PeerFlix thing, and if you want to download it, you can. Many of you have heard of Netflix. Anybody got Netflix in this place? Okay. All right. Well, there's, there's a Netflix. Uh, there's the competitor, if you will, called PeerFlix. Now, don't confuse this, but there's a, there's a movie industry called PeerFlix as well. I happen to know those guys, David White and the whole crew. But they have a streaming, if you will, entity just like Netflix. And in the, in the world of movie and television, all that stuff, it's always about competition. True? There's four big dogs. There's Disney, there's, there's Warner Brothers, there's Sony, and there's Lionsgate. And so Sony Pictures, which is one of the biggest dogs, just bought out PeerFlix's streaming as they're going to compete with Netflix. And so you'll see that as it's continuing to grow. Well, we did something in this church called... Uh, if you will, at the movies. And we do that about every two years. We, we get inside the movies and we teach inside of here. I reached out to Rich Peluso, and, uh, who's the president, if you will, of in Sony Pictures. And uh, I reached out to Rich and I said, listen, we can't stream because of COVID. We can't run any of this out and no one's coming to church. So I said, can we partner? Well, what came out of it is that Sony loved what we were doing here. And so uh, in July, I was in Tampa, Florida at a, at a huge studio filming, if you will, two movies. One called um, The Awakening. If you've not seen it, you should see that movie. Uh, it's all about the end times. It's probably the most graphic and the most, if you will, staying with the scriptures that I've ever seen. Um, which to me will blow the Left Behind series out of the water. It's absolutely phenomenal and uh, based upon Matthew's gospel. And then the other one's called When the Game Stands Tall with Jim Caviezel. And so we flew down there. We actually filmed for Sony at the movies as part of something that's happening here at Celebrate. And it's now on PeerFlix streaming, if you will, globally. And, uh, it, and if it goes well, um, they're going to, uh, we're going to sign contracts for two years for 12 movies. And so we really, we really want people to grab a hold of it. It's a month trial. So if you say, well, I don't want PeerFlix. I already got Netflix. You can sign up for it for a month and see it, like it, uh, express your opinions, and, and then say, I don't want it. <laughs> see how it works? And so it won't be anything to you. So uh, we, we want to encourage you to take part of that. If you got your Bibles, I want you to go to Philippians chapter 4. As you're going there, I want to tell you a little quote. It's from the Catholic priest and professor Henry Nouwen. I want to say it again. And the reason I included that in there is because sometimes there's people who get so wrapped up in denominationalism. And I want to be very careful how I say this. Um, and and I, I'm not a person that, that I'm not a good person to come and you speak ill of any other denomination. And that includes Catholicism. It saddens me how some people wrap a hold of something, but I've got some incredible brothers and sisters who are in the Catholic Church. I've got some incredible brothers and sisters in the Baptist Church and in the Methodist Church and the Presbyterian Church and the Reformed Church. I have some brothers and sisters in the Wesleyan Church. And I know people go, yeah, but there's some lost people in the Catholic Church. There's some lost people in the Wesleyan Church, okay? And so I'm just one that doesn't want to get into that. Let me just tell you this. God is present in so many places, and he's more present than we even recognize. He's a good God, and he loves people. And there's a lot of people who love to quote Henry Nouwen, and they're going, look at Henry Nouwen. You need to understand that Henry Nouwen's a Catholic priest. Was. And so I wanted to say it again. The Catholic priest and professor, 
Henry Nouwen said this, is there a quiet stream underneath the fluctuating affirmations and all the rejections of my little world? Think of this quote. Is there a quiet stream underneath the fluctuating affirmations and all the rejections of my little world? You understand what he's saying? People are always good about being high in the highs, but boy, they can be quickly low in the lows, true? And they fluctuate. One minute, everybody thinks you're great, and the next minute, they don't like you. And that seems to go up and down. Is there, he goes on to say, is there a still point where my life is anchored and from which I can reach out with hope, courage, and confidence? I love that quote. And I contend every one of us have asked that question. Every one of us has this deep sense of longing, if you will, that still point, that hope of a quiet stream in where our marriage and family and workplace and our country and our world can rest. Is there such a place? And what's crazy is this country alone provides some of the most best, if you will, of medical and psychological treatment centers, some of the highest of education institutions. And yet, despite all of that, it seems that nobody in this country, for the most part, seems to find it. And I'm not being, if you will, loose on those words. I really meant what I said. It seems very few, even in the church, including me, seem to find that quiet stream, that still point. And even in the church, you still find broken marriages, split families, hatred, rebellion, racism, financial anxieties, and a country that is so unsettled right now. So where is that quiet stream? You know, I heard about a wise man who said this, the way to achieve inner peace is to finish all the things you had once started. So I looked around the house and I found all those things that I once started. And before leaving the house this morning, I finished off a bottle of red wine, a bottle of white wine, all my Prozac, some Valium, some cheesecake, and a box of chocolates. Can I just say, this wise man is an idiot. I felt like crap. <laughs> but I want you to look at Philippians 4. Because I contend there is a promise that there is a quiet stream. There is a still point. Philippians 4, beginning in verse 6. Don't worry about anything. Let me say it again. This is Paul writing to the church of Philippi. This is Paul who has no idea of God's anointing that is on these words. Do not worry about anything. We could just stop there and say, we've got a problem, Houston. Because some of us in this room would say, listen, I don't worry about much, but we do worry about something. And yet Paul says what? Don't worry about anything. Why do you worry about anything? And I could go back to the words of Jesus. Why do you worry about what you shall wear? Why do you worry about what you shall eat? Does not your heavenly father know all of your needs? And yet just stop there. I'm not sure we really believe the heavenly father does. I don't believe that we believe that the heavenly father really has our back. I'm not sure the church anymore thinks that the Heavenly Father 
even has a hand in play when it comes to this country. I still believe that the church is fighting all the wrong battles. I think the church has really gotten more about political things than they are spiritual things. And you know why? Because we think if we can get the right person, it's going to fix everything. I contend it's not true. And some of you don't even like it when I say that. It just makes you uncomfortable. It bothers you deeply. But I can't, I can't answer that for you. But the mouth speaks within the heart, people. The mouth speaks within the heart. I didn't say that. Jesus did. We talk about the things that are most important to us. We argue about the things that are most important to us. And I just wonder if we would talk more about Jesus and less about Trump and Biden. I'm just wondering if the world might be a better place. Don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Now watch what he says. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Then, watch this, then, then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Verse eight, and now dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, one final thing, which is really interesting because he already said it because he's only gonna repeat it. Fix your thoughts, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about that which is excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice, keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Now watch, then the God of peace. He just repeats what he said earlier. Then the God of peace will be with you. And this is what I want to talk about, God's promise of peace. You remember years ago, there was an election that took place in our country, and as it was years ago, and a little black kid stood in the stage and sang so beautiful at the inauguration, let there be peace on earth, and let it begin with me. I've never forgotten that picture, and listening to him sing, it was so beautiful, let there be peace on earth, but he's right, but it starts here. And yet we miss it every time. When you and I worry, dominoes begin to fall and the ripple effects happen within our world. But when you and I are at peace and we understand the inner work that God does, those same dominoes have the same impact. Our lives really do make an impact. Peace. Peace, God's peace, a peace that does, a peace that will surpass all understanding, a peace that will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus, but that's the key, a peace that comes from God, not from you and I. 
It's a peace that comes from God. You know, Picatus, some of you have no idea who I'm talking about, was a philosopher of the first century. Talk about goading way back in history. He wrote this in response to the Pax Romana. Now, some of you wonder what that is. Let me just put it in layman's terms. That was the Roman constitution of the day. And this incredible, brilliant man wrote these words. While the emperor may give peace from war on land and sea, he is unable to give peace from passion, grief, and envy. He cannot give peace of heart for which many yearn for more than anything else. And that's what we want. Can I tell you this? Every struggle you face is nothing more but a picture of what's really going on in your soul. If your marriage is struggling, it's because you're struggling. If your family's struggling, it's because you're struggling. That is a fact of life. Because I say this, they hung Jesus on the cross and he was at complete peace. He worried about nothing. He struggled with nothing. And no one faced more than Jesus himself faced because he understood this has nothing to do with peace. This has everything to do with peace. He knew who his father was. And Paul understood that as well. Paul got it. I know whom I believeth. I'm convinced he's able. There's an incredible peace. That's why he wrote these words. He understood it. He had been down that corridor of pain and struggle. He understood anxiety. He understood all of that. And he knew that Jesus Christ was the answer. Look what Isaiah 54 says. The mountains may disappear. Think about this passage as the prophet writes. The mountains may disappear. Imagine in Colorado, you go there and there's just no mountains. I mean, you keep driving and all of a sudden it says, welcome to Utah. He's like, why in the, where's the mountains? And the Bible says, the mountains may disappear and the hills may come to an end. But my love will never end. But watch this. My promise of peace will never come to an end. So regardless of what you see in the landscape of this country, according to God and his word, there is already peace and it will never go away. I don't care what man thinks they can do. I don't care what man even attempts they, they might do. My peace has already been established. The question is, do you want to live in it or not? Did you catch that? It's an unbelievable thing. I don't know if you knew this. Did you know, this, this, is, the, this is so important you catch this. Did you know that only 8% of human history, you ready for this? Only 8% of human history has ever been entirely at peace. Did you know that? In fact, over 31 years of record, 3,100 years of recorded history, only 286 years have been at peace. Pretty much all of human history, there's been war going on somewhere. So why do we get all wrapped up and shot? We, why do we do that? We're trying to create something that's almost a myth, at least among our standpoint. 
See, I think this is our problem. You might want to write this down. We define peace as the absence of rather than the presence with. Let me say it again. We define peace as the absence of rather than the presence with. And I think that's our problem. Let me have a little quiz with you. I'm going to throw something out. You pick one or the other. A 10-hour grueling day at the office. Okay, remember, it's a 10-hour grueling day at the office. Nothing's going right. Peace or pressure? Come on, someone throw it out. Peace or pressure? Pressure, okay. All right. You're in a hot tub, snow falling gently out in the beautiful mountains on a beautiful night. Peace or pressure? Okay. The hot tub's three, to below, three degrees below zero. Okay. All right. Okay. You're at a birthday party with 27 three-year-olds. Pressure or peace? Okay. A crystal clear mountain lake, 80 degrees, no wind. Pressure or peace? Now, let me just show you. Did you not pick it up? 27, three-year-old birthday party. Pressure. You see, we define it as the absence of. And yet, according to the Bible, there's peace in every one of those situations. When you understand it's the presence with. Peace that the promise God gives is not determined by our situation, but his presence in every situation. You know, the house burning to the ground. Peace, peace, God's peace. The loss of something very dear to you. Peace, peace, God's peace. And I'm going to show you that. Two artists were given the opportunity to capture what peace really was. The first artist painted a carefree boy sitting in a boat on a little placid lake without a ripple to disturb the surface. It was a beautiful painting. The other artist painted was depicted as the actual picture of peace. He painted a raging waterfall with the winds whipping the spray about but on a limb overhanging the swirling waters was a bird. It had built its nest on an overling branch. And he sat there, she sat there brooding her eggs, safe from all predatory enemies, shielded and protected by the roaring falls below, but at perfect peace, regardless of the world around it. And I want us to talk, if you will, how do we enjoy and experience this promise of peace? If you got your notes, write these in. Here's the first one. Well, first, you have to experience that peace. That's the first thing you have to do. You're going to have to experience peace with God. And church isn't going to cut it. How you're raised isn't going to get it. Reading your Bible isn't going to build it. It all starts, if you want peace, you got to start with peace. And that peace is Jesus Christ. You can't have the peace of God until you first make peace with God. And there's a lot of people in the name of Christ that are still mad at God because they didn't get what they wanted as if somehow God is some Santa Claus come Christmas morning that gives you the presents you desire. 
I love the, the clip. When God, who's played by Morgan Freeman, which I think is a great God, I just love it. I mean, I, every time I, I see God, when I'm praying, I even see Morgan Freeman sometimes. It's just the craziest thing. But, but I, I just love it. I think he's just a beautiful God. But I love what he says. <laughs> when did humans ever know what they needed or wanted? I mean, us, us in this room, we ain't got a clue what we want. We change our mind all the time. I mean, it's really the, the essence of divorce, isn't it? I know exactly what I want. Well, then explain to me why it didn't come apart, why it came apart. You're so smart. And that seems to be an issue among our country. We think we know what we want. We ain't got a clue what we want. And there's such an incredible thing in that. See, I want to help you with this. And you might want to write this down. See, here's how it works. And I've done this with you before and other things. No peace. No peace. But to know peace is to what? No peace. Remember when Reed last week, you know, you know, we tend to look at a heartbeat. And this is how we tend to measure life. There's ups, there's downs, there's ups, there's downs. And then you turn it and realize all those ups and downs are actually gifts by God taking you in a place that you can't even begin to know. It's like a ladder that you're climbing. And all of that's part of it. But I always love what, what he said. Is here's the fact. We don't like this. Well, I don't know about you. I'd rather have my heart monitor read that than this. That's called death. We just have to look at it from God's perspective. But it starts with God. Look what Romans 5.1 says. Know that we have been put right with God through faith. We now have what? Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, we know how it works. When a heart is under physical stress, sometimes they put in a what? Pacemaker, right? Well, when your heart is under spiritual stress, you need a peacemaker. That's what you need. A peace that settles your nerves, fills your mind, floods your spirits. And that peace requires Jesus. But here's the caveat. See, for most of my life, ready for this? Don't miss this. Most of my life, I thought I was the one who had to make peace with God. So I sort of set you up here. I did. I had to make things right with God. So church all of a sudden, man, I just need to go to church. Man, it's the right thing to do. I need to read my Bible. I need to pray the right kind of prayers. And yet the Bible says none of that's going to make peace with me. Because it's not about what you do. It's about what I did. You and I can't make peace with God. He made peace with us and for us. Colossians 1.20 says, God made peace with us. God made it through the blood of Christ's death on the cross. And so I want to do something real quick if you've never really done that. And by the way, we're not going to pray some sinner's prayer because a sinner's prayer is not even in the Bible. It's one of the things we're changing in this church. You don't accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It's not even in the Bible. The word accept Christ isn't even in the Bible. 
The key to understanding lordship is dying to yourself. And so I'm going to ask you to all bow your heads right now and just quiet in your spirit. Say, Jesus, right now, just repeat those in your spirit. Jesus, right now, I die to myself. My way of thinking, my way of living, my way of understanding. I want to live the life you planned and purposed for me to live. It's not what I do, but what you did through Jesus. Thank you for making peace with me. Amen. So now that you've experienced that peace, you can now, here's number two, enjoy this peace daily. See, we're to enjoy it daily. But you have to experience it, right? First, you have to experience, but once you have, now you can enjoy it. You know, a lot of people lack peace, and here's why. Because I think they think it's an emotional thing. This is going to shock you, okay? They think it's an external thing. But truth be told, most of the time, it's really a physical thing. Did you know that? You just need to get rest. I, I'm going to tell you something, and I want you to listen to this. Our bodies were made for rest, and the people say, well, I only need four hours. That, to me, you ready for this? That is sin and arrogance. I'm going to say it again. That is sin and arrogance. Because you will never find anybody in the medical field and in the brilliance of, if you will, world that would ever tell you it'll be okay for you. We were made for rest. And we live in a world of unrest. And a world that chases things and we get caught up into it. And then we justify it at the neglect of what really matters. See, our bodies and our souls are tied together. Our bodies and our souls, although we can't control our circumstances, we can control how we face them. And sometimes the best way to face your circumstances is just lie down, get some sleep, and get some rest. Would you agree with that? In Elijah, you can read it in 1 Kings, he goes up and does great things on a mountain. 400 prophets of Baal, all alone, calls fire from heaven. It comes down, consumes the altar. He then kills the 400 prophets of Baal. It's a great, glorious day, folks, okay? The very next chapter, he wants to die. And I think it's a beautiful picture of you and I. It's so easy to do great things for God and find our identity in what we just did rather than who did it. And move to the next big thing for God when God says, why don't you just get some rest now? You didn't do it anyway. I did it through you. But we start getting out there thinking we can do all those things. It's a beautiful thing. And the very thing that happens in 1 Kings 19 is God says, just rest, Elijah. I want to die. Just rest. And for multiple days, God says, rest. He gets, and when he gets up, God feeds him. And then he goes back to bed. It's beautiful. As God is setting him up to understand what it really means to meet God. Look at this verse. This is Ezekiel 20. I, this is God speaking, gave them my Sabbath day of rest as a sign between them and me. And one of the most neglected things in the church is the Sabbath day. The Bible says, how blessed are those who go to the house of the Lord. There's something about what God put in it. This, this is in the Bible. I gave them my Sabbath, not your Sabbath, my Sabbath as a rest, as a sign between them and me. It was to remind them that I am the Lord 
who has set them apart to be holy. You might want to write this down. Two things God is saying here. Reminding us who he is, the supernatural, and reminding us who we're not, Superman. Okay? If you get up in the morning and go, and the world is going to be glad I'm here, and, and you got an S in your chest, S stands for stupid. Okay? All right? Just so you know that. I want, if you got your Bibles, I'd encourage you to flip over real quick because I'm going to show you this passage. It's beautiful. I, I don't think I've ever read it in this church, but it's in Isaiah. It's in the prophet Isaiah. And, and I want you to just see it. It's just so beautiful because so many people don't even know it's in the Bible here. But it's Isaiah chapter 58. Isaiah 58. I just want to read it to you, and I'd love it if you want to follow along with me. This is in Isaiah 58 beginning in the 13th verse. This is so beautiful, people. This is in the word of God from the prophet. And anytime you, you hear a prophet speak, he's speaking on behalf of God. Here's what it says. Keep the Sabbath day holy. This is in the Bible. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Don't pursue your own interest on that day. This is in the Bible. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Don't pursue your own interest on that day, but enjoy the Sabbath and speak of it with delight as the Lord's holy day. Honor the Sabbath in everything you do on that day. And don't follow your own desires or talk idly. Watch what will happen. Then the Lord will be your delight. I will give you great honor and satisfy you with inheritance. That, that's amazing. You remember when it says, when my people humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I'll heal their land? Did you know in this country, for those people who say, I'm a follower of Jesus, not God, I believe in God or religious, people who say, I love Jesus, over half of them are not in church somewhere in this country on Sunday. And we wonder, if my people would humble themselves and pray and seek my face, I'll heal their land. The power of what God can do through you and I, the answer is not in the White House. The answer is in our house. And when we take that serious, it's amazing what God will do. God did not give us this day for us. He gave us six days. And we don't even do good enough of that. So we need to stop it. It's a beautiful verse, okay? Folks, our bodies work best when they get godly rest, true? And by the way, peace is not just the position of your body, but the posture of your heart. Remember what Ezekiel just said, to remind us that the Lord set us apart and apart to be holy. Now, I don't know about you, and I think you'll agree, most stupid in my life happens at the neglect of this promise. If more people have just have rested, slept on it, stilled themselves, less stupid would happen. Would you agree with that? The Bible says it in Psalm 127, it is a senseless thing for you and I to work so hard from early morning until late at night. It's senseless. Fearing that you will starve to death or whatever it is that you fear. God wants his loved ones to get proper what? Okay. By the way, here's a thought for you. How much of the world's unrest would be less if all the world's leaders would come together, take a nap together, drink some milk and eat some cookies? Okay. <laughs> How, would you ever thought, I think a lot of the world's problems would be different, wouldn't it? If they just come together and take a nap. True? A little warm glass of milk and some cookies. If I was a president, I think I would do that every day. 
First thing we do is let's just sleep on it and have some milk and cookies. Come to heaven as a child. I think God would do something. Here's number three, and I'm going to invite the team out. Embrace God's gift of peace. Say that one with me. Embrace God's gift of peace. I don't think you missed, or I, I think you missed a word. And if you didn't, great. Circle the word gift. Remember back to Christmas? Look what John 14 says in verse 27. Jesus speaking, I am leaving you with a gift. This is in the Bible. I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. Did you know that God wants you to have peace of mind and heart? And the peace I give, he says, isn't fragile like the peace the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. Peace is a gift that God gives. That's why we have to receive it. You can't manufacture to create it. You can't earn it. See, here's the deal. We all face storms, right? Battles with family, battles with finance, battles with friends. And so Jesus says, listen, I want want to give you a gift. I want to give you a gift. I, I know it's hard. I know the moment you said I do, there's a whole bunch of I don'ts. I get it. And I don't want your heart to be troubled. I, I don't want it to be afraid. In Mark 4, I think we miss it so often. In Mark 4, Jesus and his disciples are out in the Sea of Galilee. I've been there. I stood there with my feet in the water. I can still see it as I'm telling you right now. As I'm drawing you this picture, I'm watching it happen. I remember standing there with my feet in the Sea of Galilee and I'm looking out at the waters and I'm, I'm thinking about this passage. I can see the other side. Galilee's not that big. In fact, you can, they do marathons around it. I think it's 30, a 31 or 32 mile marathon completely around it. And so you, you, you're looking, I'm looking across the water and I'm picturing this story. These are seasoned fishermen. This is what they did for a life. And the Bible says they're full of fear. I want you to think about that for a moment. I think we miss that in the story of how incredibly beautiful and powerful is going on in this moment. These are seasoned fishermen. They've been in storms many times. But they're afraid. Which means it doesn't matter how educated and smart you think you are, you're going to go through storms that you can't handle. Jesus is asleep in the boat. And they're so freaked out, they wake up Jesus. And they say, Jesus, hey, man, we're, I mean, they're freaking out. And Jesus stands up and he rebukes the wind. And you know what he says? He said, peace, be still. That's what he says. He didn't say stop. He says, peace, be still. Now, why do I say all that? Because some of you have gone through storms. Some of you are in storms. Some of you, you don't know it yet, but the storm's coming. And you think he doesn't care. Because that's what they say. Jesus, don't you care about us? Do you understand what we've been through? You know what our loss is? Do you know what we're facing? We have no clue how we're going to make it. And Jesus longs for you to let him stand up in your boat and say, peace be still. And the moment he spoke those words, the Bible says it was completely calm. 
Even the winds and the waves obey. Will you let him stand up? Will you let God show you what peace can do in your life? There's nothing you're facing that he can't control. Then why is he letting it happen? Because he's trying to let you be in a place that you lose all control, that you let him have control. God cares more about his walk with you than all the stuff that's happening around your life. What he wants is a relationship. Columnist Deborah Mathis once wrote about a time when she was at Union Station in Washington, D.C. Been there. <laughs> it was a very particular busy day as she was reflecting back and wrote this. The first thing she recalled was the noisy hubbub of all the sounds. The public address announcer calling out arrivals and departures. Scores of pagers and cell phones crying out for someone's attention. She could hear horns honking, machines clanking, and babies crying. A security guard yelled at a man who tried to go in and enter a forbidden area. Three women stood arguing with each other. One particular man she'd never forgotten right in front of her was nervously pacing in a tight circle. And amidst it all, she all of a sudden heard this. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. It was then that slowly something began to change in Union Station in Washington, D.C. that day. All of a sudden, it wasn't as noisy. It wasn't as busy. It wasn't as bustling. But it continued. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. The quarreling women stopped their talking and quietly took their seats. People who had been tense and hurried seemed to slow and relax. It was there she realized I too started singing along just as some of you did here and a few others. And then it was the man in front of me who had been behaving nervously. I heard him quietly say to himself, nice, I don't even believe in Jesus, but that was nice. I wonder if we've been fighting all the wrong battles. And I just wonder if God's saying, listen, I never asked you to fight anything. 
I'd like to fight it for you. I'm the victorious God. I'm the good and gracious God. I'm the almighty God. Would you like to have my promise of peace? Then just let it start here. And what you'll discover, it will go nowhere else. And the God of peace will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Father, you are so amazing. You're so good. Your peace does pass all understanding. I don't get it. All I know is I want it and I got it. And I trust the same for everybody else here. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless. God bless.